Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? A verdict? Welcome to the John and Jordan on Justice podcast. Your weekly deep dive into personal injury and wrongful death law. All right. All right. Touching on everything torques, legal tech, trying cases to verdict, and the outlandish stories that come with them. And now, here are your hosts, John Fisher and Jordan Reed David. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in for the next installation of uh, the John and Jordan on Justice podcast. We are super excited this afternoon to have Mitch Jackson with us. A little brief background to make Mitch blush. He's the uh, he's a lawyer out in California, Orange County. He's run a plaintiff personal injury and wrongful death practice for over 30 years. And in 2009, he was voted Orange County Trial Lawyer of the Year. Then in 2013, California Litigation Lawyer of the Year. And he has spoken at numerous places, numerous different types of events, including Tony Robbins Business Mastery. And he's also appeared as a guest and shared expert commentary with people like Katie Couric, Anderson Cooper, and Gary V. You know, nobodies. But uh, we are honored to have him join us today. And, and the topic, I'm going to let him introduce himself a little bit more formally. But for our guests out there, Mitch is basically on the bleeding edge of being a lawyer and also trying to appreciate the upside potential of Web3 and Metaverse for lawyers and other business people, professionals. So, Mitch, with that kind of a short introduction, maybe you could tell the listeners out there who you are and, and what you're doing these days. Sure. Thanks, Jordan. Hey, John, it's good, it's good to see you guys. Look, yeah. I'm trying to stay relevant right now. That's what it comes down to is I think smart lawyers, smart business owners and professionals, entrepreneurs, they do what they need to do to stay relevant. I grew up on a ranch in Tucson, Arizona. Back in the day, that was the relevant place to be. People would come from all around the world and ride horseback and, and do ranch things you know, for a week. And it was a lot of fun. I watched my mom and dad uh, communicate with really well-known guests over the years, people like John Wayne and Rock Hudson and Morley Safer from 60 Minutes, a lot of professional athletes and actors. And what I noticed is each year when they came back to the ranch, because they'd come over and over and over again, which says a lot about how my mom and dad ran the ranch, I noticed a different story. They're always changing. They're always adapting to, you know, what the theme, what the strategy, what, what's going on in the United States and around the world. And I watched my mom and dad do that at the ranch. When I started practicing uh, Jordan and John, I did the same thing. Each year we try something new. Uh, when the internet first rolled out for us, we put up a website in 95, 96, I think it was 95 and started. You've got out. mail, Mitch. You've got mail. Exactly. You know, and my, my partner, my wife, who I met in law school, Lisa Wilson's one of the most talented trial lawyers I've ever met. Uh, I've never won an argument, uh, you know, at home or, or in the office with Lisa, which tells me she's the, she's the one who should be on the show. But what we noticed is that Orange County is a huge uh, uh, legal bar and there are a lot of very well-known and established lawyers. And it's hard to you know, coming from Arizona, moving to California, it's hard to, to break in and get those referrals and build your practice. And I started from day one on my own. But what I noticed is by doing something different, embracing the internet, building out websites, uh, fast forward to social media, fast forward to live video, recorded video, to where, what we're doing right now on this podcast, social audio show, what I noticed is it uh, allowed me to build a brand and create a presence to be heard above all the noise. Uh, to get those referrals. And uh, and then obviously it all comes down to what you and I do in the courtroom, the results we get for our clients, those speak for themselves. 
but I noticed that by tapping into technology, it allowed me to do all of the above. Same thing with Web3 and with the metaverse. What this is allowing us to do is really continue to build the brand, continue to connect with uh, potential clients and referral sources from around the world in a way that I've never experienced before. This is hot. This is hot stuff. I was telling you guys before we went live, I just spoke at CEX, which was uh, the first Web3 conference of its, of its kind uh, in Phoenix last week. It was great being around a live audience again, but I've never experienced the buzz or heard of the marketing and branding ideas uh, that I was exposed to last week. There's something special happening right now. I think the smart lawyers, the smart professionals that wrap their arms around this new digital opportunity and embrace it are the ones that are going to be five years from now looking back and patting themselves on the back because they're going to change the world. And I think professionals that don't feel like they need to embrace Web3 or the metaverse are the ones that are going to be kicking themselves uh, in the backside uh, somewhere down the line because they didn't they didn't become early adopters of this new technology. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's it. There's always an advantage. Well, not always, but there's typically an advantage of being an early adopter of something that's going to be here to stay. Right. It's only a trend until it's there forever. And then all of a sudden it's right. just ubiquitous. Let me ask you this. I mean, we're talking we're we're tossing around terms, web three, metaverse. Other people out there probably heard, you know, acronyms like NFTs, DAOs. I want to delve into that, but before I do, I want to kind of set it up from this perspective, which is you've been sure. practicing, you know, 35 some odd years. You've seen how the evolution of technology in courtrooms, right? Whether it's from pre presenting a document when Elmo's first started coming out, now computer and HDMI cables. Oh, and here's what I've noticed, and I want your perspective on this. You know, John and I, John's been practicing about 10 years. When Even when we started out, you know, e-filing wasn't a thing. You still had to go hand in a paper copy and get it stamped by the clerk. And I used to joke with people and say, the wheels of justice turn slow, but the wheels of legal innovation almost don't even move. And then we had this global pandemic that kind of forced innovation into courtrooms. And because John and I don't have the benefit of practicing in California, maybe we can just start by saying, what's the, the legal tech landscape in courtrooms in California these days? It's looking good. It's looking good because of the reasons you just mentioned. What happened over the last couple of years <clears throat> is that it resulted in lawyers being towards the bottom or at the bottom of the top 17 tech sectors to a year and a half into the pandemic, we've risen to the top yeah. or near the top, according to Jack Newton of Clio. And they did the study, they did the research. And, you know, it's because we understand what we needed to do to keep our doors open. I think with the mindset of consumers now appreciating the fact of remote learning or remote representation, lawyers now appreciating the fact that we can run our practices oftentimes from our home offices and we don't have to be down down in our traditional law firm or even physically in court to do an appearance. I think when you look at all these things and combine it with 5G, a fast internet connection, the time is now to move forward with all of the things that you just mentioned. I remember showing up in court back in the late eight, late 80s with a laptop. And I was going to give a power, it was before PowerPoint as I, as I knew it back then, but I was going to give a presentation during my opening statement. So during the morning break, the jury's out of the courtroom and I'm setting up my laptop and the display and the judge leans over and he goes, Mr. Jackson, what is that? And I told the judge what it was. And he said, you're not using that in my courtroom. Uh, you know, I said, well, this is what I want to do. It's just like a, a big trial exhibit, but it's going to be a digital presentation. We're not going to do that, Mr. Jackson. Just give it, just give a normal opening statement. So we've gone from that mm -hmm. 
full circle to I can't remember the last time I've shown up in a courtroom, especially for a big trial. And, you know, everybody wasn't dialed in with with the latest tech available, you know, to give that dateline or 2020 presentation during the course right. of a trial. So well, it's amazing to see things change over the years. Surprising. Well, and the art of persuasion has to go ahead, John. No, no, no. I was just going to say that we had an experience where just three years ago we were trying to case, obviously, pre-pandemic, where when we put up a PowerPoint, an opening statement, the judge was like, what is happening? And I go, I'm doing an opening statement with PowerPoint that's done in every single trial on both sides. She was like, I've never seen a lawyer use PowerPoint in opening something. Really? So, yes. Yeah. And even they looked at the defense like, are you having a PowerPoint? He's like, yes, judge. We've actually pre-exchanged them. <laughs> Thankfully. This is what, you know, and had he defense said. Defense is over there holding his iPad like, yeah, judge, that's what we're doing. Now, right. And, and so oh. for me, these technological advances have made the practice law efficient. Um, we save time. You know, and so we're not driving to the courthouse, sitting in there waiting for a hearing, driving back, doing all those things. Jordan works uh, in Atlanta a lot of times from his home. We're, we're going to basically get rid of our office because we don't need it. You know, we don't yeah. need that yeah. hard space. We obviously have the space down here, but I might know. have to install a nice mahogany bookshelf behind me with leather bound books though, <laughs> to keep the real lawyerly look. You know? Yeah. So or, or you go, you do what I'm doing. Full disclosure, use ECAM and use uh, a green screen background because I've right. got a lot of arbitration uh, boxes and books behind me. I'm broadcasting live and I like to be transparent because I think right. this technology makes being a lawyer more enjoyable. Um, as soon as I'm done, I'm going for a run. So I'm upstairs uh, at my home office. We have a traditional law firm, right? The whole thing. But today, uh, this afternoon, uh, I'm broadcasting from my home upstairs office. We've got a green screen behind us. We're using Ecamm and we're using photos from our office in the background. So when clients walk in, they're going to think, well, I'm comfortable. This is your lobby. I think I've been here before. Right. It's right. using technology to create a better, and this is the most important takeaway, I think, from today, a better client experience. I think that's what we need to focus on. I'm telling the young trial lawyers in our firm and the ones that I'm mentoring, right now we're going into court, whether it's mediation, arbitration, or jury trials, I want to lead with empathy because we've all been through a hell of a lot, including our jurors. I don't want anybody beating up anybody on the stand. I want you to use compassion as your compass. And I want you to tell uh, meaningful stories when presenting your case. You can make your point without making somebody look bad. And I think that type of new mindset uh, is going to help us get better verdicts moving forward. Mm -hmm. I also feel like the technology, John, that you just mentioned and, and Jordan that you've mentioned, it allows us to deliver our legal services in a more, more cost effective fashion, right. right? So it saves the clients time and money and it allows us to improve the quality of our life, especially here in LA. So I don't have to drive three hours in rush hour traffic at seven in the morning up to Los Angeles to do a five minute hearing when we can now appear by Zoom right. or via a phone call or eventually via the metaverse to, to do that appearance. And so I, I'm really excited as a lawyer to see where we're moving forward, especially when it comes to virtual reality, Web3 and the metaverse. And that's that's a perfect transition because I want to get to to Web3 and metaverse. And let's take us real quickly through decades of of advancement. So if we wanted to have a CLE or even an educational chat like this with a group of people, what was it back in the day? It was a conference room in person, then maybe a teleconference. And then people, some people were doing video conferencing, but now that's again, you know, commonplace. But the next frontier, Mitch, is the metaverse, so to speak. So can you kind of sure. shed some light one-on-one? 
you know, my crude understanding web three is this next iteration of the internet based on blockchain, you know, metaverse, this, this virtual representation of the world that we can all still live in and have avatars in, but can you kind of paint the full picture for us? I, I can. And I want people to think about uh, web two is, is centralized services. So you've got a big company that's providing you access to a website or to a social media platform. The idea behind Web3, and I'm not sure it's going to pan out this way, is it's decentralized technology. Okay, When we're, when we're participating on the platforms or the various metaverses, uh, the content's being distributed around the world on servers. No one company supposedly is in charge. I'm not sure it's going to play out that way. I still think the companies with the money are going to be the companies that are going to be setting up the best experiences for all of us. But it's just a new type of technology that, and here's the key takeaways, that incorporates blockchain technology and smart contracts to do business, to create relationships, to facilitate transactions. And blockchain and smart contracts are what I think lawyers really need to pay attention to. It's going to change everything. When we talk about the metaverse, we're talking about just a virtual extension of who we are, of our office space. So right now what we're doing is we're offering clients if they wanna meet with us over the phone, in our office, if they're still social distancing on a Zoom, everybody's burned out on Zoom right now, right? Or they can meet with us in our virtual office or virtual conference room and the clients love it. They can access our space and we're using a couple of different platforms. Everybody write these names down because these are the best platforms I've found for lawyers, for professionals. Spatial.io, EngageVR.io, Glue.work, Horizon Workrooms. Those are the four platforms that we're using Beautiful conference rooms, exceptional client experience. Clients can connect with us using their phones, their tablets, their laptops, or their desktops. The best experience is using a headset. Okay, I'm holding up for the video portion of today's show an Oculus Quest 2, 300 bucks. It integrates uh, with all of the top platforms. It's easy to use, and it's one of the best investments we've made at the firm. In fact, we purchased 10 of them to give out to clients who want to uh, engage with us in our virtual spaces. It's simply an option that increases the uh, experience by a factor of, improves the experience by a factor of about 95%. It feels like we're all in the same room together. We can use these virtual spaces to uh, walk a claims adjuster through the chronological uh, aspects of a case, the first photos of an accident, Next photos or video as we're walking through and answering questions of a hospital room where someone's being treated, maybe a movie of an accident recon, and you walk your way through these spaces to that final end result, that settlement demand or what we're going to be doing at trial. It's as though you're standing in the same room with someone, so much so that with my consulting agency, Maneuver, we've actually incorporated human resource uh, suggestions to our clients, especially with larger companies, to incorporate training when it comes to HR, because a lot of executives or employers, they kind of forget that they're still in the workplace. And inappropriate uh, lack of social spacing between avatars or an inappropriate reaching out and touching, or maybe saying something uh, inappropriate, these kinds of things are happening in these spaces. And they're happening because it feels like you're actually there with someone to the point where you may not even think you're, you're, you're at work. And so 
it's this new dynamic that allows for better engagement, regardless of where you're located around the world. It's a very real interaction where if we're in a virtual space right now, we could be handing each other 3D objects, a defective product. We could be talking with an expert witness who's flipping it over right in front of us, showing us exactly where the bolt snapped. Um, it's amazing technology. And what I like best about it is right now, it's as easy to use as Zoom. With the platforms I just mentioned, you send a link, you can password protect it if you want to, and you click and you're in. So that's Web3, that's the metaverse. We're just getting started with all of this technology, and I can't wait to see where we end up in five or 10 years. Oh, I'm, I'm the same. The excitement's palpable. And I think, you know, you you touched on it, but I want to just give it its its due. Sure. Of course, there's a lot of lawyers out there of various ages and experiences. Their natural inclination is going to be to be hesitant to say this must be technically complex. It must require a lot of savvy and figuring out how to set this stuff up. And I can tell you from you, you're the one that I figured out about Spatial.io and the others. I realize it's very inexpensive relative to the opportunity Right. It's really user friendly. I mean, it's it's not it's I, I really can't even say it's I, I agree with you. It's about as easy as using Zoom. And the more you use it, the more comfortable you get. Now, let me ask you this. What people out there have this or they might I do this connotation or this uh, image rather in their mind. Metaverse. What is that like the blocky Roblox looking thing? Or is it right. a complete virtual reality where it's me? Or is it something in between with an avatar? Can you kind of paint that picture? I'm glad you brought that up, Jordan, because the last thing I want to do is meet with a high paying client in a metaverse environment, a virtual space where everyone looks like Legos, or people are running around pulling your digital pant leg, right? That's not the type of impression I want to give. The platforms I just suggested to your listeners and your and your viewers are platforms with just beautiful graphics, as you know, and spatial, just top-notch, beautiful conference rooms, beautiful courtrooms where you can bring your clients into a courtroom and actually give them a tour and even have a mock trial if you want to, or put your client up on the witness stand and show them what it's like to be cross-examined. The quality of the, um, of the objects, of the furniture, of the office space is a 10 out of 10 right now. And with Spatial, for example, what's interesting is they've just introduced legs to the avatars, along with some other bells and whistles. And I just shared this today in my LinkedIn newsletter, which focuses on, on these topics, Web3 and the metaverse, with a little legal and business twist to it. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because of the uh, amount of uh, megabytes or gigabytes that are involved with creating these spaces, what metaverse designers figured out is if they just had their avatars from the waist up, it allowed them to save a lot of processing power to create and render more realistic environments than having to worry about the legs. Well, technology is getting better. And, and because of that, what we're seeing are platforms now incorporating into these avatars, uh, custom clothing, custom body sizes. I met two people last year, last year, last week at CEX, who we had connected on spatial and uh, they came up and introduced themselves. They're like, Mitch, you look exactly like your avatar on spatial. And I recognized one of the two people. I didn't know the other person. And the reason that's the case, Jordan, as you well know, is that spatial allows you to take a photograph with your webcam, upload a photo from your hard drive, or take one with your camera. And the AI integrates your face on top of an avatar body. 
So it feels like the three of us are in the same room having a conversation. When you see me down at the courthouse or when I walk into a deposition, you're going to recognize you know, this old, worn out trial lawyer face, but that's okay because I want my clients to be comfortable uh, with, you know, who they're talking to in the platforms. So yeah, for all those reasons, it's just another way of connecting and building relationships with third parties, which includes clients in a way that's transparent, in a way that's effective. And I think in a way that builds, you know, trust in relationships. And, and that's why I'm all in, especially on spatial and engaged VR. Yeah. This- well, one of the things I admire about you, I mean, cause we're talking on this narrow channel here about certain metaverses at this stage that are probably more advantageous for the average consumer. But one of the things I admire most about you is the, the scope, the broad scope that you have of controlling all of your technology and social media, getting out the same messaging, the same valuable content in a myriad of ways. So, you know, normally people exactly. wait to the end of shows or whatever, but I think for people out there, they might right now in this moment be asking, how can I learn more? How can I find out more? Because this is what Mitch is, Mitch, he's doing it every day, all day. He's got MitchJackson.com. He That's talked it. about Maneuver, his consulting agency. Uh, he's got the LinkedIn newsletter. He's got a private Discord server. There's really, I mean, he's on Twitter. If you can't find Mitch, the problem's with you probably at this point. So Jordan, what do you, th- what do you guys think? Thank you for that. And, uh, I'm enjoying this. Okay. I've been doing this for a long time and I don't know how many lawyers you guys know that have been practicing for three decades and still enjoy what they're doing. Like I get up every morning and I love what I'm doing. And it's because I'm blending the practice of law. I'm representing the clients that I want to represent. I enjoy technology. I'm finding time for a paddle in the morning, a run in the afternoon, family first, health first, right? It's because of all these things. I still enjoy doing what I'm doing. Now, speaking of enjoying what we're doing, you mentioned discord. What do you guys think about Discord? Because it's a uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic uh, that I'm still John, trying I'll to let wrap you my head. Go ahead. I, I want to watch my language on the show. But what do you guys really think about Discord? No, don't, don't feel free. Uh, we talk like sailors privately, so it's quite all right. All right it's a uh, shit show. That's yeah. what I think. What do you guys think? So I I, I well I kind of I like Discord personally. So I'm in. Uh, yeah, I I do. So in addition to being a lawyer and and to cut Mitch, your energy is fantastic. It's fun. I'm over here getting excited going. I need to be doing more in Web3. Yes. I need to be doing Metaverse because if I can take my client and put them in a mock courtroom and do a cross-examination in a, a virtual space, I like that to me is blown away. So then when they get in that moment, it's almost like they've been there. And you know, it's not my conference room. It's not sitting here where I'm doing it, but then you put them on the stand. You might have fake you know, people or I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to learn more about it. And so like, I appreciate you and... I can tell you have that energy and I don't meet many lawyers that have been practicing for 30 years that love what they do because they're not doing something that engages them. That isn't just the practice of law. If you're just practicing right. law for 30 years, you know, uh, sign me up. I'm going to be on the retirement plan in 15. I mean, I'm out, you know, that's, that's <laughs> not for me, but I have some myself and, and Jordan really, we created a discord for plaintiff's lawyers in Florida. And it's, it's a small group that we've just started it where we say, look, where can we collaborate and speak? And we, created various things. I think it's very efficient. I'm in a couple, like mm-hmm. I do some crypto trading on the side. I'm in a couple of discords as well. It's very easy. Um, so I like it. I prefer it over, you know, for instance, like an email uh, chain or, a, you know, you send one email, you get 47 responses. Instead, you can choose to see what you want to see in a particular category. So I like discord. I think it's very efficient, you know, for what I need. So that's yeah, just from my yeah. personal experience. It's, I think it's, 
There's I a think lot it's a step right? up from Telegram, obviously, but it's an imperfect utility, I think, in part because of its origins, right? It started with mostly gamers, streamers, then it kind of moved on to adopted by crypto users, and that's generally a younger audience. But I think that if if people just stop, professionals of all different you know experience levels, if they stopped and really tried out Discord, I think, to John's point, they'd find it's a really effective way of communicating in direct ways or, or even getting a group together. And so, you know, we started it in hopes that it would grow, you know, time will tell, but I know you have one as well and I'm a member. Yeah. So, so it's uh it's a, in my opinion, it's a necessary evil when right. it comes to web three in the metaverse. And why am I saying that? Right. Everybody that is interested in this technology is active on discord. We're playing around in each other's servers and we're also active on Twitter spaces. And that's a great place for your listeners to get up to speed on, you know, how people are using these platforms. I get that. I think I might be involved with too many different Discord servers where there's a lot of noise. Yeah. And the clients that we're representing who are uh, defrauded or being taken advantage of, a lot of that initial interaction has happened in a Discord where somebody's clicked on a direct message link. And so for anyone listening, just do your due diligence. You know, if you're going to be in a Discord, uh, be in one, you know, that uh, John and Jordan have where it's set up. You know who the people behind it. But you want to be careful yeah. in this new Web3 environment because a lot of things happening. People are letting FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, dictate their next business move. Where one of my messages last week, along with Mark Schaefer, who's just a brilliant marketer, uh, who was also speaking at the event, he's a friend of mine, is we encourage everybody, you know, take a deep breath, just like you would in the real world. Do your due diligence. Uh, you don't need to jump on the first opportunity that comes your way and really get a feel for who you're investing with, um, you know, what metaverse platforms you decide you want to spend time and build out your presence in and just take it one step at a time. I think the the companies and the individuals and the lawyers that do that uh, are the ones that are going to be avoiding the you know the landmines and maximizing their upside potential. So it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic, right? It's an interesting yeah, dynamic. Yeah, there's a, and there's some safeguards we can put in. I noticed even on your mm -hmm. server when you join, you got to agree to some terms of service, and right. there's some you know there's some hurdles you can put in the way of bots or people with you know bad intentions. And the one that John and I started, it starts with an application. Actually, you got to go to a website. Got to submit a form. We got to be able to verify you on the back end uh, before Ooh, we even okay. admit you in there. But and that's primarily because it's plaintiff attorney oriented. And send know, me the link. I want to check it out. Send me the absolutely. link. If it's if I can join from California, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. sure can. Discord for plaintiffattorneys.com. Um, okay. A, a shameless plug of our own product. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I want to check it out because one of the things I've noticed with Web three, okay, is the community. This is a community where once that light bulb goes on and you kind of get a feel for why this is so important, why this is so valuable, this is a very helpful, engaging community. We're all here to help each other. Right. I just noticed last week there were 500 people genuinely interested in helping each other. And I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, so, yeah, I want to be a part of your Discord and check it out. Right on. Well, let's, I mean, this is all in the same ilk, but I mean, let's switch gears a little bit, talk about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, maybe in just a general sense what they are. And then I have a few ideas about potential applications in the legal realm, but maybe you can educate sure. the listeners out there. Well, I mean, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, we've all seen them in the news, mm -hmm. uh, Bored Apes, CryptoPunks, a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, drops. 
And it's basically your ability to own a digital asset based upon what I call a hash or a piece of code on the blockchain. So it's one thing to stand in front of someone's home and take a picture of it and have it on your phone. You've simply got a picture of someone else's home. That's different than the person who owns the home, the title, the deed, the equity in that home, which is what NFTs are. They, they allow you to, to confirm ownership of a digital asset. And uh, they're, they're basically traded or transactions take place with NFTs on the different blockchains. What's interesting and what's fascinating to me about non-fungible tokens have to do with the unlockable components of them. You can use them, for example, when a new client comes into your law firm, uh, you can give them the initial new client package, however you do it. Ours is digital now, but we're also already providing our clients with NFTs. And when they, the ones that want to have the NFTs, and it's right. not for everybody, right. but most of our tech clients uh, we'll go ahead and airdrop them the NFT that gives them access to our uh, password protected CRM so they can access their client information, their their calendars, their documents. It's all within that NFT. Um, they have access to special weekly events that we put, in, put on for our clients. Uh, if we hold annual events, they're going to have either a complimentary access or discount to those events. It's unlimited what you can wrap within an NFT to add value to your clients. Did I hear? Did I hear you right? By the way, on a different podcast, you invited a bunch of guests on a virtual yacht to go stargazing, so to speak. Is that what we happened? did? We did, but that was in the EngageVR.io environment. And Garrett and I, my son and I, put on a presentation just like we're going to do Wednesday night. You guys are invited. Wednesday at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, we're going to have a Metaverse meetup. And I shared the link in today's LinkedIn newsletter, but I'll get it over to you guys okay. after the show. And we're just encouraging everyone to join us. And we're going to walk through spatial. And then I've got a couple of guests that are going to be transporting us with just a click over into their spatial sites so that everyone can see all the different things that we can do in the Metaverse. But on that yacht, beautiful yacht where we all stood on the bow of the yacht and looked at about a 200 foot screen over the ocean under the stars of a video presentation and everybody really enjoyed it and then what we did is we clicked a couple of links and took some decision makers back into our virtual conference rooms and then closed some deals so it's like a two we're all humans process. right like no matter how much technology we adopt or use to augment our life experiences we are all human beings Right. You talked about empathy and trial these days, whether it's a claims yeah. adjuster you're looking to persuade and a, a colleague that you're looking to have join you or whatever it is, some vendor. I mean, if you can bring someone into a virtual experience that is compelling, exciting, I mean, even John's excitement, right? Like you're going to get them mm -hmm. to want to be engaged and continue to re-engage with you. And ultimately, that's going to nurture your benefit, potentially your client's benefit on the context that's really good. You know, well, John, and, John and I have talked for months about this. And I, I mean, it's, a, it's an open idea out there. I just toss it out there because somebody smarter than us needs to figure it out. But I look at court filings and dockets themselves as like the most logical step one for adoption of blockchain technology with some integrations of NFTs, right? Every filing that, that's made could be an NFT, verify who filed it, whatever, what court it belongs to. It's so weird. I don't know how it is in California, but in Florida, in state courts, it seems like every county has a different online database to query. Same here. 
Same yeah. Thing. And it's just so inefficient. And like, even when you can figure them out, they're not really data driven, right? I mean, you're searching first, last name, case name. You can't really do anything with the data. You can't really verify anything. Um, you're kind of like in this independent silo. You got to start with data in order to find it. But I feel like, I don't know about you, Mitch, but I, I really feel like Pacer, for example, on the federal scale, right? It's one system for everything. That's uniquely adaptable to a blockchain. Mm. I would think that's immutable and transparent uh, and everybody could easily tap into and verify things. And that way it's like, if I want to see, hey, what is Mitch Jackson file? Boom. You could sort by a, maybe a wallet address or whatever they're going to call it. And you could immediately pull everything up instantly instead of being on a wild goose chase. You know? I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant. I think you could also piggyback onto that smart contract technology so that when something's filed via an NFT on the blockchain, like what you're talking about. So for the average lawyer, we're talking about how we already upload our PDFs into our platform, click a button and it's filed with the court. We're already doing that. Right. At least we're doing that here in California. Right. Super easy. When you click that button, instead of it just filing an NFT with the court, what's going to happen is going to convert that document, that pleading, that motion, that opposition into an NFT on the blockchain that's connected to a smart contract. And instantly what's going to happen is you'll automatically get that hearing date. You're not going to have to try to figure out what that hearing date is. That hearing date will be assigned based upon what all opposing counsel have already put into the database, based upon the court schedule, based upon the rules of civil procedure, the local rules of court, everything will be automated and confirmed. And you're going to be able to ascertain who's behind each motion, what changes were made almost instantly. What I've thought about Jordan is the same type of approach, and this is going to happen, it's happening in real estate right now uh, with respect to uh, deeds and escrow agreements. What I see happening is in the discovery process. Imagine in a complicated case, you click and create an NFT, which is actually asking the other side to respond to interrogatories. What then happens is AI, utilized by the other side, independently ships out to 100 different lawyers within a database to answer each specific question, because that's what they specialize in, uh, in response to that written discovery, for example, all of this could happen within a day. If you've got one lawyer that focuses on one particular question on any particular day, you're going to be able to respond to discovery a lot faster and a, a lot uh, more thorough in this process. The smart contract looks for conflicts of interest because of AI, so you're not going to have to worry about that. It's going to make us faster and more efficient. It's going to help us avoid mistakes. And I think for the lawyers that embrace this technology, it's going to help you build your brand. So even if you're in the metaverse right now, today, like what we're talking about is several years out, but it's going to happen. Yeah. But today, if you're that lawyer that has a metaverse virtual office option, or if you're that lawyer that's already creating NFTs, which is pretty easy to do, um, you're going to set yourself apart from all the other competition in town. You're going to be that lawyer people are talking about. And I think that's something that a lot of lawyers are missing out on is just by being new, just by me being one of the first lawyers on social media, have a website, live video shows. It really helped me amplify my brand in a way that would not have been possible had I not taken that risk, had I not put myself out there. 
Um, I think the same thing's going to happen with Web3 and the metaverse. The lawyers that are embracing this and are promoting it and branding themselves around this and doing it in good faith and with from the right perspective, they're the lawyers that can really stand out from all the other lawyers in town. So that's why I'm super excited about this because not only does it work and it's gonna help us create better client experiences, it's also a great way to brand and market our practices. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that earlier and you know, you kind of say, look, you have this aspect, right? Your your practice, you're building, you're setting yourself apart, being the voice above the noise, especially in, you know, Southern California. Here in South Florida, there are a lot of big, you know, big trial lawyers, you know, mm-hmm. big firms. And, you know, myself and Jordan, we started, oh God, you know, maybe four years ago. Um, we had our own thing separately. We've now joined forces. So it's like, how do you distinguish yourself amongst everyone else, right? You can be the best lawyer, but if no one knows about you, it doesn't mean anything, right? You don't have a client. So being able to, to, to do what you're talking about is setting yourself up to stand out from everyone, meaning in a year and two when everyone's looking, oh, wow, look what they've done. Now we want to get the adoption. It's too late. We're the ones now leading the pack, kind of like what you're doing. I'm, I'm literally sitting over here getting excited about establishing this virtual. I mean, for Wednesday, I have a question. Do I need the Oculus too? Because I, yeah. I, I, no, I, I, I mean, if you have one, get one. But well, just, I want, I want the. Don't let him fool you. He's already making mental notes. He's going to buy one right after. <laughs> well, so, I, so I, you can use your phone, your laptop, your desktop, okay, and spatial. Every platform I mentioned, you can use all these other devices. The Oculus, you're going to want to give me a knuckle bump because you're going to feel like you're right there. Well, with that's me. what I want. I want and, that full experience. And John, you mentioned something that like you could start doing this week. You could set up. Your virtual courtroom takes about 60 seconds. It's a template. Click and you set it up in the engagevr.io platform. You could start meeting uh, local members of your community. Hey, ever wonder what a courtroom looks like? Want to know what it's like to sit in the jury box? Want to know what it's like to put me on the stand and cross-examine a lawyer as a hostile witness? Join us each Thursday night. That's where we meet up. That's what we do. And while we're in the courtroom, we're going to answer your questions. If you want to have a private meeting, we can click a button and send you over to our private virtual conference room and have a conversation after the 30-minute meet and greet. There's all kinds of ways that you can take advantage of uh, pulling back the curtains and showing the consumer what you haven't been able to do in the past without renting out a courtroom, spending a lot of money, right? Getting your jury pool in there. Uh, You could even have members of your firm or members of your family serve as jurors and they're in the jury box and they're listening to the arguments or they're part of, of the evening festivities. I mean, there's just all types of ways that you can do things right now in an inexpensive fashion that I think the community would be interested in. And I think it would add, add value to your brand. This is great. This is, this is something we have to do. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I can tell joy. I, I just recently started really pushing my social media, like TikTok videos and all this. I mean, I'm doing three a day every day and I'm going to do that and I'm excited to do that. So now segueing into this, it's just another thing to really grab a hold of now that I, I just, I'm, I'm amazed at what you're doing. And well, the, the you know, I tell people there. all the time, cause I think no matter where you live, I've traveled enough to have a pretty good idea of a consensus, no matter what, where you live, if you go on a highway, odds are you see a billboard within five minutes of a plane of personal injury lawyer. You might, you might. Yeah. I'm, I'm like this. When I'm a passenger, I'm looking down at my phone. Well, but the point is they're out there, right? They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're begging to be looked at. And regardless of whether, you know, you want to do it or not, that's not the point. The point is, 
that was that had a day. It's still there. But, you know, the, mm-hmm. the question I have in my mind is, you know, one day our advertisements in the metaverse, is that going to be where the eyes are? Is that going to be where the attention is? I think probably yes. And if so, it's a great benefit to be an early adopter, to get comfortable, like you're saying, setting up offices, setting up conference rooms, meetings. You know, there's there's look, there's so many different projects. One of them, John and I did a brief demo called Blocktopia. It's a very like real hyper-realistic virtual reality. I don't think it's live yet, but the point is, I mean, they've got storefronts, bill, digital billboards in there. I mean, you can kind of see what five, ten, you know, five years from now, let's say, is it's going to be. And that's where it's going to be. That's where the attention is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's better to embrace it than it is to resist it. But, you know, we've talked, you know, look, you're a trial lawyer with tons of experience. And we've talked about trial a little bit here and there, mock trials and all that. One of the things John and I started doing a lot recently is focus grouping our cases before really? trial in a they very substantial it. way. You know, years ago, John and I would try and haphazardly put it together, you know, through Craigslist ads and whatever. But now we've gone out, we hire these wonderful consulting agencies who do a great job. But it begs the question for me, at the end of the day, they're still, right, sending information through the internet, (laughs) presenting videos to these people typically through the internet or written arguments. Or the point is, maybe the metaverse is that next place where you can get really good data from a focus group that could really change the outcome of your entire case strategy, you know? Absolutely. Just like that, they have conference facilities where you're in an amphitheater and you've got 200 potential jurors that are volunteering for whatever reason, right? Uh, to listen to your opening statement or to listen to the three or four key issues in your case. And you can have real-time feedback uh, in the metaverse. I think what's interesting, what people, until you've done it, you really don't appreciate this, but with an Oculus headset, with this headset right here, my understanding is in within 20 minutes, uh, the companies behind these types of technologies are accumulating about 2 billion different data points for every 20 minutes. And so what happens is because of the cameras in these systems, you can, you can see people's facial expressions. You can see them open their eyes or shake their head. And one of the things that we talk about with our consulting clients is this one thing to understand everything that we've been talking about and to create your metaverse office and to jump in but then you have to know how to use your avatar. It's like showing up to try a case. It's one thing to walk into the courtroom. It's another thing to win the case. And by doing that, you have to do the same thing in the metaverse that you would do in a courtroom. And that is you wanna use the room. Your avatar is looking at your hands. So when I go like this in the metaverse, my avatar is going like this. When I shake my head or when I raise my eyes or I smile, oftentimes, depending on the platform, the avatar is doing the same thing. So we tell our clients, work the room, right? Use anchor points. So if I'm talking in front of a group of 12 executives, I'm walking up and down uh, the conference room table, back and forth in front of them. You know, when I'm talking about something that's powerful and positive, I'll be on the left side of the screen. When I'm talking about something negative, I'll usually go over to the right side of the screen. I do the same thing in court. Something positive is when I'm closer to uh, the witness stand, the jury, the witness stand, uh, as opposed to if it's something negative I want to, I need to talk about, I don't want to, but I need to, I'll usually be as far away from the witness stand as I can be, because I want them to associate whoever I put in that witness stand as a positive, powerful, important component of my case. You can do the same thing in the metaverse. So we talk about, you know, use the room that you're in, work your avatar around, 
use uh, storytelling and the power of metaphors and voice inflection mm -hmm. to keep the attention of your audience. And uh, doing these things while you're, for example, uh, in front of uh, 200 potential jurors, right? Because you want to figure out what message is ringing the right bells. You can change all of these things up easily. And uh, yeah, I see that as being a, a big application for some of the things we're talking about. The more you use this technology, the more comfortable you get and the easier it is. This is not rocket science. This is about as complicated as getting ready for your first deposition. And I really right. mean that. Once you've done it, once you've taken a couple of depots, you're good to go. You know, yeah. you don't need to cheat sheets. You know what questions to ask. Um, yes, there's always some fine tuning that you want to always improve upon. Uh, but that's about as complicated as what we're talking about with, with the metaverse. And, and so I want lawyers to give themselves permission. Give yourself permission to try something new. Give yourself permission to jump into metaverse platforms, private ones, where it's just the four of us, right? And we jump in and we have a conversation and we show people how to use our tablets. Each of these platforms has a control tablet where I can touch a button and bring up a video. I can touch a button and bring up a photo. I can use spatial audio. So what's being discussed at the far side of the conference room, we can't hear here, just like in real life. You can, there are so many things you can do once you know how to do it to make the experience pleasurable for everyone. Right. I'm picturing a lot of listeners and viewers out there with the uh, mind blown emoji, Mitch. That's what I'm picturing. Awesome. I don't think a lot awesome. of people are aware, you know, they don't either have the time to invest in it and learn this stuff, which is totally understandable, but that's why we wanted to have someone like you on to open people's eyes to, to what's out there, the, the universe of possible. Um, so let's let's talk about something else. I mean, John sure. will probably laugh because I've done enough appellate arguments that I start thinking about ridiculous hypotheticals. And one of the ones that keeps coming back to me when I think about the metaverse is accident reconstruction and where the line is going to have to get drawn. Because one of uh, our mentors is Joe Freed. He happens to be in Atlanta, but he's a phenomenal trucking lawyer, an even better person. And he puts on a monthly like breakfast, like meet and learn. And one of the recent ones he had a few specialists who do accident reconstruction. They explain all the data points they're capturing with all of their equipment and everything. And I'm sitting there in that conference room and I'm watching some of these demo videos of real accident recons they've done for trucking cases. And they're hyper-realistic. And right then and there, this was maybe, I think two months ago, I stopped and I was like, what's stopping us from actually being in that accident recon next? Yeah. Standing on the side of the road, watching the accident happen because it seems to me it's not that hard to get there at this point with technology, no? Absolutely. I, I love the way you think. Yeah, it's, I, did a, I did a post back in 2016 of trying a case with my toes in the sand down here in Southern California at our local beach, Strands Beach, one of my favorite beaches in the world, and picking a jury from around the world and being in a virtual courtroom. And instead of going to a, a accident location or a factory floor where defective, where products are being made that allegedly are defective, you're virtually transporting people into these spaces and letting them experience in real time, you know, how things are done or what it feels like to drive down the road at 55 miles an hour in a large tractor trailer type of scenario. And how much can actually happen when that driver takes his, her, or their eyes off the road to look down at their phone, how they travel the length of a football field at 55 miles an hour in three to five seconds. 
And I mean, imagine putting someone in that seat and letting them experience that adrenaline rush. And then, you know, depending on the judge's rulings, the consequences of that negligent right. and dangerous conduct. I, I do see this as being something that's a part of the future. But the caveat to that, Jordan, is, uh, you know, the dark web uh, fake videos and fake audios. And that was part of one of my presentations as I contributed chapter 52 or 54 to our continuing education of the bar uh, evidence book. And it was all about social media and digital and primarily focused on authenticity and foundation, which is what we need to establish out here in California. How do we do that now? How do we know that video, that reconstruction that you just described is accurate, is authentic, hasn't been altered, right? And so the deep fake technology right now that we're talking, you know, that we haven't talked about, that I'm bringing up, incorporates into these metaverse environments. How do I know, Jordan and John, when I see you in a space, that that's really you? Right. How do I know that it's not somebody else impersonating you and saying right. things that you would never say? How do I know a corporate executive who appears at one of my conferences in the metaverse who raises his or her hand and says something about their stock prices isn't actually a plant? And so there are a lot of new legal issues, which I'm excited mm. about. I see more opportunity for lawyers moving forward because of all of the above than ever before, whether it's contract law, whether it's IP intellectual property law, whether it's fraud, whether it's due diligence, there are so many opportunities right now for all of us to not only just use these platforms and leverage their power, but also to represent clients who want to do the same thing. And my daughter, who is a third year at Shepherd Mullen in Century City, uh, you know, she gets it. She and her practice group, and they're in the IP litigation practice group. Right now, the partners that have been there for 50 years, people like me, are seeing more opportunity right now in the legal profession to help the consumer to add value uh, than they've ever seen in their well, IP, careers. That's, I mean, you know, I don't do IP law. I won't even pretend to know the first thing about it, but I have some common sense and life experience. I have to imagine that's a natural marriage or opportunity for growth in this legal sector because we're talking about NFTs. Maybe it's applied to a song, right? Or a painting or a home or anything else in the metaverse, but we still have real life, real laws, real entitlement, you know, from a, an authentic ownership standpoint. Sure. IP litigation, I would imagine, or trying to avoid IP litigation. Yeah, that's an, a massive space, I'm sure. It's, it's huge. And one of the challenges that we're experiencing is if I was going to meet the two of you in one of my virtual offices, what we're doing ahead of time, it takes like five minutes. That's how easy it is to use these tools is I would bring in your law firm logo and I'd put it up on the wall. I would bring in one of your most recent marketing videos or, or testimonials about you and put it up on the wall. You can play videos just floating in the air. So when you walk into the space, you're going to walk into a customized environment that shows that we care enough about you that we tweaked it out to kind of promo you before the meeting and clients love this. It doesn't take much time to do this, but when I'm grabbing your logo, do I have the right to do that? Am I violating right. your copyright by taking the logo from your website and putting it in a virtual conference space? So these are things that people just need to think about and then uh, do your own due diligence, consult a lawyer in your state and figure right. out what's right for you. But it's just exciting to have these options because I'm from the old school. I remember how expensive it was to have a real law library in my law firm. I remember how expensive it was to fly an expert from New York 
all the way out to California. And I was billed for every single second of those two or three trips because mm-hmm. we couldn't find an open. Court. My least favorite words in law, portal to portal. Portal to portal. Well, now it's a good thing because they can portal in through the metaverse. That's right. And it's an hour of their time instead of three days of their time. And so right. I think this is really exciting stuff that as we uh, mature and as the metaverse matures, what you're going to find is the integration between metaverse A and metaverse B and metaverse C and metaverse D. And by the way, I'm not even talking about Facebook meta. That's not even anything I'm chatting about right now. Right Right now, there are 10,000 different metaverses and related companies and different options out there that have nothing to do with meta. If you like Facebook and meta, that's great. If you don't, that's great. But what I'm trying to get across is that there are multiple metaverses. And what I'm excited to see is the following technology. Just real quick, it's super important. It's called the integration between metaverse A, B, C, and D. And what I mean by that is the office that we create in Metaverse A, whether it's an NFT, your avatar, your clothing, with the click of a button, you can transfer it probably using your digital wallet to Metaverses B, C, and D. The other thing I'm really excited about, we're not there yet, but we will be there probably in about two years. The other thing I'm super excited about is real-time translation. So it doesn't matter. When you're in the Metaverse, you meet people from all over the world. You're talking about language translation? In real time. So you're, you're speaking your uh, your native language. I'm speaking mine. And in real time, we're getting a clear and concise translation. So we're able to communicate. I'm not talking about captions. I'm talking about audio. This technology is here right now. Now, it hasn't been ported into the metaverse options that I've suggested. But I think within about two years, we're going to be there. And so it allows for you know, fluid conversation. Mm-hmm. It allows you to avoid misunderstandings. It actually allows you to expand your practice areas because sure. you can represent people that speak other languages depending on where you're located. And so for all of these reasons, in five or 10 years, I mean, this is this is going to be the new norm, the new yeah. default. And I think that the lawyers that get involved now and just spend a little bit of time each day you know, playing around with whatever platform we talked about or whatever technology we may have brought up and just getting comfortable and familiar with it. I think those are the lawyers where, you know, a year from now, they're going to look back and go, wow, that wasn't complicated. Why didn't I do that sooner? And they're also the lawyers that are going to be positioning themselves for success uh, over the next four to five yeah, it's years. That first mover advantage or whatever. So. But Gen Z is all in on Web3 and Metaverse. You're so, absolutely right. So well, that I, next client base, I'm just telling you, it's yeah. huge. I don't even know what gen I am, but I'm in. The, <laughs> I'm all in the metaverse. So, <laughs> well, yeah. You. So the other thing, though, John, is interesting. Is lawyers who you know understand the importance of communication and building rapport and being that trusted guide in the courtroom, right? That's it. These same qualities play really well in the metaverse. Like, like we have an we have an unfair advantage over most people when it comes to building our brands in the metaverse, because what we do in court, what we do in our office, what we're going to do in a deposition, it all works in the metaverse. I've had some amazing globally known keynote speakers show up in some of my spaces and believe it or not, they don't get all that. And so they're not, they're not connecting. Well, I think lawyers have an unfair advantage. I I think what I was thinking, I was, I was thinking about this before you go, Mitch is like, you say, you know how people do like the town hall or the open, the live, the, what is it? What are they doing on Discord? What's the it AMA? Called? Ask a- me anything? Yeah, AMA, right? right? You can do that in a metaverse space and just have a conversation, almost like a town hall meeting, 
but in we a virtual are, space yeah. and yeah. be like, ask me anything. It's almost like we could, you know, as a branding thing and say, look, you got legal questions, you know, every like Thursday, five o'clock, you want to jump in, I'll be there for an hour. Anybody wants to show up, ask me a question. I'm here in the space. I like, you I can mean, do that. Yeah, you can do that and you can record it and you can repurpose it afterwards on YouTube or on any, any of the other platforms, which is what we're doing. The challenge right now yeah. is the quality of audio. For example, in all the platforms that I've set up, we talked about, it's getting that same level of audio, especially if you're using a headset. Uh, and there are ways to do it. We right. just haven't spent the time to do it. It's not a high priority. But doing your show, your pod, your podcast, your recording in the metaverse, you know, it, it's it's not as easy as what we're doing right now, but right. it will be in a year. But no, I get you. you're thinking the right way. It's like yeah. everything we're doing, we can do in the metaverse. But then I like to repurpose content. Like right. one of the reasons you guys see me doing so much is we create content once and then we use Agora Pulse or something to schedule that content. So every two months or three months, it goes back out. And I've been in trial where I've had opposing counsel lean over to me and go, Mitch, you know, I, we've been in a two week trial. I've been, you know, elbow to elbow with you, uh, you know, too much, frankly, but you've been tweeting out all day long. How are you doing this? And, you know, I talked to him about Agora Pulse or some other platforms, Sunday night football, we'll sit down or my team will sit down. We'll schedule 20 or 30 tweets or whatever it is and content that goes across social. And we focus on what brings in the dollars. Well, you're doing a fucking great job of it, man. I gotta yeah. be honest. Yeah. We'll do the same thing. It's not just model what I'm doing. I mean, oh, thank we're going you. to thank we're you. Thank you for that, Jared. Yeah, I appreciate we're, that. We're trying to. We're just starting out. But I mean, really, you, it's people like you that give us like enough degree of confidence to say, no, this is a path. It may mm. not be heavily traveled, but some quality people are doing it and it, you know, it resonates. I mean, look, anybody can spam any general audience with useless bullshit. Everything that right. I see that comes out from you is meaningful. Yeah. It really just is. Otherwise I wouldn't have reached out. I mean, I'm just not that kind of person. So I think no, I appreciate that. Right. So keep I, it up. It's yeah. It takes a little bit of work, but I appreciate that. But just closing real quick. Um, when I came into, into SoCal, my practice was out in the back of my car guys. Yeah. And I'd go down to main beach. I'd play basketball all day long. You know, I met my wife in law school. She's working for a traditional firm. She's like, what are you doing? Well, it's 9.15. I'm done calling my clients from the payphone because this is for before cell phones. I'm going to play ball all day. And that was my networking. That was where I was building relationships. And frankly, the guys I played with all needed a good criminal defense attorney, right? Right. That's kind of how I started off. Yeah. But it was hard for me to break into the established billion-dollar firms here in Orange County that handle all the high-profile cases until I found the web, that website, yep. two, th I did two things, build out the website that changed everything, jumped into social that allowed me to do things that other lawyers weren't even aware of. And also once I used to race motocross for 38 years. And so all of a sudden I ran, ran into a lawyer down at the courthouse who rode and raced also. I'm like, dude, let's go down the track on Wednesday morning and, and, and do some laps together. Right. Next week, there's four more next week. So there's like 10 of us every Wednesday morning. What I noticed is that group of 10, this is before social media. This is back in the mid 80s, late 80s. Uh, all of a sudden we started referring cases to each other because we knew each other. We liked each right. other. We had the same hobbies. The reason I'm sharing this with you guys is the same thing happens with social media. You meet people where you have the same interest. And guess what? If I'm going to refer a case to Florida or Georgia right now, you guys are, you know, near the top of the list. Right. 
I appreciate right? that. Because, yeah. of, because of things that we're doing together. So it's like the approach with motocross, the approach with the website. I think that's going to work in his working right now. So I'm always. And, you know, you know, you said something. This is this is kind of the last point I had, but it's one I think about often. If you can walk into a courtroom, right, take it outside the office, walk into a real courtroom and present an accident recon or your expert's testimony by manipulating a digital version of the product at issue. And then you stop your direct and defense counsel gets up there with a, you know, his or her yellow pad and starts cross-examining like it's been done, you know, for yeah. eons. It feels like you want to talk about persuasion and what's more compelling. I mean, come on again, getting back to it, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. So being a first mover, maybe trying to get a leg up. I mean, cause I agree with you one day will be commonplace, but in the gap, there's a real opportunity and I think, you know, people out there, I'm just so grateful you came on. Now it's probably piqued your oh, interest sure. and hopefully you get a lot yeah. more people reaching out to you. Well, John, was, anything, go ahead. I was going to say, let's do something together. If you guys want to line up a metaverse meetup, right? So we find a date and time that works for all of us. We can use one of my platforms. You can reach out to your audience. You can invite them in and we can be in a room with 20, 30, 40, 50 people and answer questions and explore the different metaverse spaces. It'd be my pleasure. I'd love to. Yeah, awesome. That, awesome. Yeah, that's, well, that's exciting. thank you for on behalf of me and everybody else out there who's listening and watching, I just want to thank you, Mitch, for, for taking the time. I know time is limited, especially for someone who's always getting pulled in a lot of directions because you're a voice in the room that people want, that frankly, that they need. So thank you for carving out the time with us today. Thank you, Jared. It's my pleasure. John, did you have a final comment? I, I didn't mean to speak over you. I'm no, sorry. no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm Listen, I'm actually the part of the audience i'm over here fanboying about all the things that you're doing okay. and, and developing for me and you're the and, most comfortable right now and yeah chair. yeah I'm, comfy. yeah i'm in a nice uh, comfortable recliner here but no i i I'm, i will resonate what jordan said i really appreciate you taking the time to do this i didn't know the level of of opportunities that were there i mean i kind of mm. knew a little bit about it but not to the level of what you can really do and i'm excited and i and i i said it before your energy is bleeding into me and I feel it and I'm, I'm good, getting excited good. about it. So I, I thank good. you for taking the time to share this with us and with our, our listeners. And, and by the uh, way, the show notes you, check down in the show notes, whatever platform you're listening, we'll have all the uh, social media tags and websites so you can find Mitch nice and easy, but that's it for us. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Take care. Guys. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the John and Jordan on justice podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, consider leaving us a review and be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with John and Jordan, check out at OnJusticePod on Instagram and Twitter or check out Discord for PlaintiffAttorneys.com to communicate with them and like-minded plaintiff attorneys in a private Discord server. Until next time. This is the John and Jordan on Justice Podcast. Podcast.